Book Four, Part One of Susan by Ernest Old Meadow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. La Villa de la Mer, Part One. Thursday night. I am not Number Three at Dupoirier's hotel any more. I am a householder and a mistress until Sunday morning of the Villa de la Mer. I am writing in my new bedroom. The French windows open on a broad wooden balcony facing the sea the furniture is brand new as new as the villa garden with its glaring pass of chalk chippings bordering an oblong of wiry grass and lean shivery shrubs if ruddington rode into durlingham he would get the letter this morning about a quarter to ten at half-past two a telegram arrived at the hotel du dauphin addressed to susan happily he had the tact to hand it in at miller's bridge where susan isn't known susan brought the unopened message to me with a scared face i took it and this is what i read aloud to miss briggs hotel du dauphin st veronique france i am crossing to-night and shall reach st veronique to-morrow at six p m ruddington susan snatched the paper out of my hand with a cry of dismay oh miss she moaned letting it fall on the grass whatever shall we do i was struck dumb whatever shall we do she cried again oh miss gertrude he mustn't come i can't bear it i must send him a telegram at once i must too much staggered to answer i looked at her blankly she collapsed on the rustic seat by my side covered her face with her pretty new french apron and went off into an old-fashioned uncontrollable fit of weeping to the sound of her sobs i tried to decide what course was best susan's plan of an immediate telegram commanding him to stop at home seemed good at first but i glanced at his words again and all doubt vanished i knew that susan might as well tell to-morrow's sun not to rise to-morrow's tides not to flow as tell ruddington that to-morrow he must not invade st veronique nor could i blame him or wonder at him with such a letter as mine in his hand i should have despised him if he had not flown on the wings of the wind stop crying susan i said and with a bitterness which she did not understand i added it is i who should be upset not you yes miss i know miss sobbed susan with you so ill and weak it's horrible it's dreadful i don't mean that susan i said but do you think i like his coming here first it was gibson and now it's lord ruddington she turned on me white with terror i know i know oh i know miss gertrude she crooned wringing her hands what if gibson meets him miss they'll fight and they'll both be killed don't talk nonsense i said irritably if they killed each other at least we should have some peace as for sending a telegram what's the good he's made up his mind very likely he has started if so no power on earth will turn him back again do you think miss began susan think what your letter miss my letter do you think that perhaps it was too loving and what if it was i retorted he's got the letter by now hasn't he he's got it and it can't be altered susan wept afresh oh miss she moaned if only we was at traxelby i wouldn't mind but it's dreadful a plan occurred to me wait here i said while i go and speak to madame within a quarter of an hour it was all arranged 
i told madame that an englishman from the next parish to my own would arrive to-morrow night madame is the pink of propriety and she had nothing but approval for my scheme of taking susan and georgette to the villa de la mer for the time of ruddington's stay i took it upon myself to declare that the newcomer will go away again on sunday and i am not sure that i shall allow him to remain so long the du poiriers had made the villa beautifully sweet and clean in the hope of attracting one more end-of-the-season tenant there was hardly anything that needed to be done madame has sent down a great hamper of linen and two baskets of provisions and a pudgy little baby cask of cider and here we are already the change has done me good sitting on the broad balcony between two tubs of bushy bright-leaved euonymus i am so near the sea that at the top of the tide the spray kisses my cheeks to come here was an inspiration every way from a house of my own i can manage to-morrow's happenings to be mistress of a house helps me to be once more mistress of myself these wholesome hearty breezes will blow away the morbid nightmares of yesterday and the days before i mean to go back to where i stood a week ago that is to say having done my duty by susan i mean to stand aloof and look on at the last act of the comedy all this afternoon i have been healthily awake and am now healthily drowsy to-night i shall be like a child in a cradle with the big soft sea cooing me to sleep friday morning if ever i cross to st veronique again i shall come to the villa and not to the hotel last year i hated the sight of the villa standing up gaunt and shadeless with raw red walls and a cold muddy blue slate roof but once inside you are cheerfuller than in the hotel there's another and a stronger reason what was it that demoralized me at the hotel and made me such an easy prey to mawkish fancies it was because i had nothing to do nothing to supervise the villa is only a big doll's house but its toy duties and its miniature responsibilities have stiffened my backbone already i have settled everything about ruddington when he reaches the hotel he will find a note from susan i can't have him worrying us to-night he must cool his ardour till to-morrow and he mustn't stay longer than sunday thirty-six hours of it will be a long enough ordeal for poor susan all that is needed at this stage is that they should come face to face and as susan says decide whether they can put up with one another if he stays more than one clear day they'll be getting into explanations and confidences and it will all come out about my letters unless there is mutual disenchantment in which event susan will send him off at once i will see him to-morrow after lunch as susan's guardian i shall have to sit in state and give him a gracious audience while he shyly unfolds his tale of love and proves the honourableness of his intentions i am glad that he is coming it's far better to get it over at st veronique than to have to go through it all at traxelby besides it's better that i should meet him without any more delay distance and mystery have lent enchantment to my view of him and they are to blame for my three silly nights and days if there are any germs of love-sickness still lurking in my veins i expect a talk with him will kill them he will be unlike his portrait and far more unlike his letters he is just an ordinary male person gone mad over a pretty face the only uncommon thing about him is that his letters strive by an ecstatic tour de force to lift an everyday masculine passion up to supra-mundane regions through a sequence of galling accidents i have bolstered up his illusion 
that is why for a few days there really was a spiritual bond between us but to-morrow will snap it there is sure to be a something perhaps he will have a weak voice i could no more endure him with a weak voice than i could endure susan with a gruff one this is the note he will find awaiting him you ought not to come here but i received your telegram too late to stop you i showed the telegram to miss langley and she was angry not angry because you want me indeed so soon as she is satisfied that all is as it should be she will help me as much as lies in her power but she was angry that you should come here i have promised to ask you imperatively not to remain after sunday until that day we shall be at the villa de la mer a chalet about a mile from here do not try to see me to-night i agree with miss langley that it will be best if we meet to-morrow morning on the beach at eleven o'clock i shall expect you at the end of the path down from the hotel where the beck is lost in the shingle i can be with you for an hour if we do not find that we are making a mistake miss langley will be glad to see you at the villa at half-past two s b that is as far ahead as i mean to look if susan and he strike a bargain at once i may have to consider what unbendings i must make and what little honours i must render to-morrow night and sunday to my noble neighbour and to my lady ruddington of the very near future i have kept faith with gibson to-morrow morning he will have a discreet letter telling him that the unknown is coming for a few hours that he is an honourable man and that gibson will best serve himself and everybody else by keeping out of the way noon susan is alternately beaming and weeping like an april day before she carried the note up to the hotel to leave it for ruddington she was all bright excitement and chattering importance we had quite a gay quarter of an hour settling what she should wear on the beach she is going to meet him in her navy blue serge which she has hardly worn with white gloves and quite a parisian hat which she has taken over from georgette it is of soft fine blue straw made cocked hat shape with two downy snow-white wings what must i do miss when he comes up to me she asked i didn't ask what she meant perhaps she thinks she ought to bob a curtsy you won't do anything i answered he will come up saying he got your note or how good it is of you to come or something like that don't be too stiff hold out your hand simply and easily i was wondering miss began susan but she cut herself short blushing violently you were wondering i echoed i was wondering miss will he want to kiss me i blushed with her really susan i said you must look after yourself my last letter was so loving miss said susan doggedly it was and it wasn't i answered with cunning the point is this you've refused gibson susan winced but i went on you've refused gibson and you've made up your mind that you will marry lord ruddington if you like the look of him when you see him in real life it's your affair susan not mine but as for kisses well surely he won't offer them and you won't take them till you are both decided what you are going to do then i'll tell him he mustn't miss said dutiful susan later on she asked please miss gertrude what will he say to me dear me susan i might be a witch how do i know what he'll say to you she endured my sarcasm but susan still believes that i know everything 
it has never entered her head why i wrote that fatal love-letter to ruddington on tuesday she accepts it simply as one more proof of my all-round efficiency she wonders at it no more than she wonders at my writing adequate letters to my solicitor or banker or to a tenant she thinks i know all about love just as i know about law and business as part of a liberal education i don't mean his very words miss she said i mean miss what will he talk about for one thing i replied glad of the chance he'll talk about your letters and that's a point i want to mention some day a way will be found of making a clean breast of everything but until i have seen him and he is safely back in england you mustn't give him the faintest shadow of a hint that any of those letters were mine if you do there'll be such a muddle that i don't see how we can get out of it i know miss i know said susan alarmed i shan't breathe a single word don't be too confident i answered warming up to the business you may find it hard work keeping it in he's bound to say a lot of things that you won't very well understand for instance take that letter i wrote on tuesday night the living one as you call it the one you posted when i was ill it's too late to scold you over it now susan but you oughtn't to have rushed it off we could have written something much more suitable but it was lovely miss it was a great deal too lovely i said he'll say all kinds of fanciful clever difficult things to you about it my advice susan is this don't be stiff but be shy don't go out of your depth in talking to him so long as he speaks about things you understand answer him freely be as natural and simple as you can he'll like you all the better but if he goes too deep don't try to follow just hold your tongue if he bothers you and presses you say you would rather talk about it some other time but he'll find me out some day miss said susan doubtfully how do you know there's going to be a some day perhaps you won't like him if so you'll part and there's an end of it the great thing susan is not to worry yourself into a fright if you're scared and nervous you won't look nice and if you don't look nice he'll be far more disappointed than if you're not clever now run up to the hotel with this note she departed in good spirits treading jauntily but when she came back she was limp hopeless tearful it has called for all my strategy to elude a scene i'm so glad georgette is here she and susan get on together like a house on fire georgette is all ears and sympathy for every word susan says though susan might as well be talking coptic five-sixths of the time at this minute they are laying the table under the balcony and susan is full flow with her tale of hopes and fears sunset the gold is tarnishing in the sky and a cold bitter wind is blowing from the sea it has struck six he will just be arriving at madame's the villa is sunnier and freer than the hotel by day but it is eerie with the fall of night i will have a fire and an extra lamp oh that it were monday morning with it all over and ruddington gone how can i be sure that i have mother wit and force and pride enough to scrape through what if the sight of him fans tuesday's flame instead of quenching the embers what if i do truly love him after all what if i break down while he is asking me for susan 
this useless restless shameless pen of mine is my ruin why do i never learn why did i not burn this book days ago to ashes even as i have sat writing these so few lines the truth has darted out of its hiding-place i can cheat myself no more god has marked me down to receive through my heart the sharpest most venomous arrow of his cruelty i am the chosen vessel of his wrath i love ruddington and he is close at hand while the light is dying out of heaven and i am so cold and lonely he has sped over land and sea on fire with love and the love is not for me the last of the red is gone from the sky twelve hours before to-morrow's dawn twelve hours of sleepless darkness twelve hours of solitary vigil to prepare for meeting him to-morrow in the merry sunlight and for draining my cup of bitterness to its black dregs i could almost laugh a laugh as hard as iron as bitter as a black frost if there be saints in heaven i challenge them to look at me now come good people i pray you of your charity a day profundus if you please seven o'clock no need to wait for to-morrow it is to be to-night it is to be now i shall write this short page to steady my nerves to rally my wits to cool my blood something is in the wind twenty minutes ago when i told susan that i should not need her again till dinner-time she made pretence of tidying the room as i was staring into the fire she did not know that she was reflected in the glass i saw her stand stock still and gaze at my face with the gaze of one who gazes for the last time she could not have gazed at me more desperately if there had been a hangman waiting at the door to take one of us away suddenly her cheeks shone with a drench of tears she covered her face with her hands and stumbled through the doorway i was sick of scenes and with such an anguish as mine i felt a contempt for susan's mere ups and downs so i pretended not to see or hear and i didn't follow till ten minutes ago susan is not in the house georgette says she went out as soon as she came downstairs she thinks susan has only gone for a breath of sea air before dinner it is outrageous it is unendurable it is wicked it is cruel they are meeting now what note or what message did susan leave this morning at the hotel not mine i am a fool a simpleton i have less sense than a little child i can guess the place it will be on the beach between here and the beck they are meeting now he is holding her in his arms she will be like potter's clay in his hands his ardent masterfulness will flick aside her doubts and fears like grains of sand her wits will fly away from her like chaff before the wind there will be no susan there save a girlish form for him to hold a burning face for him to kiss and a childish voice to tell him about me and my letters and to-morrow unendurable is the word endure it i will not i refuse to be flouted and disobeyed and made a fool of and shamed susan is my maid i don't allow followers whoever they may be or rather i allow them in honest daylight and at times appointed not on the sly not in the dark i am going out end of book four part one